There's really three things that I would like to um, accomplish this morning. One is to encourage you. If you get nothing else this morning, I want you to know that we serve a God who is faithful. Right? We serve a God who is loving and a God who will always take care of you. And I want you to know that. I also want to accomplish is to, um, to, to challenge all of you. You know, I really think the church today needs challenged. I think it's too easy to sit on the sideline as a Christian and watch what's going on. And, and just like Peter, Jesus wants us to step out of the boat. Because that's where he can use us the most. The third thing I want to do is to give glory to God this morning. Because um, I hope when you see that what he's done with Freedom for Youth Ministries, that you will say, praise God. And you will see that God is passionate about these kids. And that God has moved mountains to bring these kids to him. And so I want all of you to see that. I realize some of you may be saying, what's Freedom for Youth Ministries? And we're going we're gonna to get an opportunity to hear more about that and to see a video so you can really see what's going on. If we look at the text this morning, I find it interesting that Peter was testing Jesus. You notice when Jesus came walking on the water, he didn't just jump out of the boat. He said, Jesus, if, if, if that's you, tell me to come out and walk on the water. And Jesus said, come. And immediately, Peter stepped. Right? And there's so many parallels in our own lives with this because... Um, it's okay to ask God, isn't it? God, if this is you, will you tell me to make this step? And through our prayer time and our studying His Word, we can hear from God too and hear Him say, Come, come with me, step out. I also find it interesting that none of the other disciples in the boat tried it. It was just Peter. If you were in that boat and you saw Peter walk on the waves and then he began to sink, would you have stepped out? Would you have said, that looks adventurous, that looks fun, i got to give this a try? Or would you stay in the boat? And you see, isn't that the church today? That most of the crowd stays in the boat and there's the one that steps? And yet you will see that even though Peter doubted, um, even though Peter ultimately denied Jesus, right? It was this type of experience that really allowed Peter's faith to grow and allowed Peter to be able to preach so powerfully after Pentecost, to even be martyred for his faith, right? And so it's the stepping out 
which allows our faith to grow. It's when to have this relationship with Christ where we intimately know Him requires us to take risk. And it's the only way that we are truly going to, to have this relationship with God is when we are obedient and we step. And you'll notice at the end of the text, they said, truly, you are the Son of God. They knew because of their experience. I'll be the first to tell you, I don't have this figured out. Alright, so don't look at me as the guy that's got all this figured out. We are all walking through this together. I've had my share of stumbles, my share of doubts, my fears. But I want you to remember that uh, even though Peter doubted and began to sink, Jesus caught him, didn't he? He didn't let him drown. And Jesus is very interested in us taking that step. And he will catch us. And then we will grow. I have never heard an audible voice from God. Maybe some of you have. I've never had a dream where he's spoken to me. I imagine some of you have. For me, it's always a thought. It's just this little thought that comes to my mind. This vision that won't go away. And the more that I think about it and the more I pray about it, the more I see it's still there. And that is the point in which we must act and then we must observe and see what is the outcome of all this. When we choose to listen and then when we act and then we observe as we go through that process over and over and over again, our faith begins to grow. And you know what? Even when we get it wrong, we'll, we're still discerning God's voice, aren't we? As to whether that was Him or whether it wasn't. And pretty soon, our relationship with Christ is such that it's almost like uh, when there's a bunch of kids in a nursery or something and one of the kids screams and the mother of that child knows exactly who's ch- that it's their child, don't they? They know that voice. And so, the more we go through this process of stepping out, the more we understand his voice. I'm inspired by a man um, that I've read his autobiography over and over again, to be honest. And his name's George Mueller. Has anybody here heard of George Mueller? George Mueller um, lived in the 1800s in Bristol, England. George was called to start a ministry for the orphans that lived there in England. And back then, the orphans were truly homeless. They were living on the streets. The little children, they have lost their parents. They were living in alleys. And so he began to bring them in, and he began to take care of them. And as you read his autobiography, which is really his, his personal journal, he writes some amazing things about his cry to God for help and how God provided him daily bread. I, I read in one of his journals where um, 
they did not have enough coal to heat the infant home that they had built. And he was on his knees praying. And lo and behold, that evening, up drives a gentleman and said, I just happen to have an extra load of coal. Would you like that? And George would document and journal um, all the things that God did to meet every one of their needs. And George ended up building this ministry that housed hundreds of orphans in England. He wrote about a time where all of the children were sitting around the table and they had nothing to eat. But he was so sure that God would come through that they literally were there waiting and the kids were just waiting for the meal to come in and he knew there wasn't one. And then was the knock on the door. And the door opened and the guy said, I got some extra bread today. I didn't know if you guys would need it. And there it was. Can you believe that? And that's the way that God works in our lives. Some of you today, I know, are on the edge of stepping out of the boat. You know, I I don't want you to think that stepping out of the boat means, well, I got to start a ministry or I've got to do some big calling or I got to be a pastor. You have to understand that God looks at each of our callings the same. One is not better than the other. To teach Sunday school is just as important as John's role that God has called him in in being the senior pastor. Okay? In God's eyes, they're the same. And I know there's some of you that are probably thinking and you, you're hearing this, this uh, voice in your head do I change careers? Maybe I've been unhappy for a long time and I haven't had the, the nerve to really go after my passion. Um, maybe um, you're in a situation where you, you don't know, do I go to college? Do I start a career? Do I move? All these different things that we encounter. Or how about, do I give up my precious time to volunteer. Alright, we all have limited time. Is God calling you to step out? To make a relationship at VBS with one of the kids? You know, a relationship. We're talking about children. Some of them have never, never seen a dad. You know, is God calling you to do that? Or is He calling you to give of your financial resources? You know, it's... it's uh, we live in a world where it's how much can I hold on to to get comfortable that I have enough to retire on. And we fall into this trap and, and yet the, God is calling us to help in all different ways to further the, the kingdom. Maybe you're thinking about how am I going to pay bills this month. And for you, that's a real step to trust Jesus that He's going to take care of you. Or you could be, maybe you're in a tangled web of sin right now. Maybe you're in a situation where you're battling an addiction. You know, Jesus is calling you to step out too and to trust and to fall into His loving arms where He can rescue you. 
Lastly, maybe somebody's here and they're saying, you know, I never really knew if this Bible was true. I'm I'm here, I don't know why, and and, um, I want to know what is the truth. But, you know, I've been scared to, to, to really jump in with this Jesus thing. We're glad you're here. And we want you to know that the Word is true and that God loves you very much. He sent His Son to die on the cross for you, to forgive you of your sins that you might live forever. And He's asking you to take that very first leap of faith. And that leap of faith is going to land you right in His arms where He can call you a child of His. And if somebody out there has not taken that first leap, uh, it's my prayer this morning that you would. Um, It's the best leap you'll ever take. I want to share with you um, a portion of my story that it may glorify God and that you may see that we serve a God who is real. Um, I grew up in a very loving Christian home. Um, continued, uh, knew Jesus at an early age in my life um, and learned to trust Him. Um, but as I grew up, went to school, got married, had children, I would say my faith was lukewarm at best. Um, Started a career, was educated, uh, trained in my field, began to make good money, um, the vacation, the office, the whole thing. And I woke up one day and I said, what am I doing with my life? At the time, I was 35 years old, and at times wishing, boy, if I was 55, I could retire. And I thought, this is crazy. What am I doing? I'm wishing my life away to do something I want to do. But I was scared. I didn't want to leave. My wife was at home with our girls, so I had the only income, the health insurance, and so I was wrestling with God and wrestling. And he wasn't letting up. And, and went through what I would call a journey in the wilderness. Where I really felt alone. And had lots of temptations in front of me. And, and, but I clung to the only thing I knew, which was Jesus. And he pulled me out of it. And when I, when I came out... Um, I was ready to go. And I walked in and I resigned. And people looked at me and said, you're crazy. What are you doing? And um, I didn't know what I was doing. But I really felt like God was saying, you jump, I'll catch you. And so I did. And um, before long, it was one of those thoughts, one of those visions of a youth center for at-risk teens. And it wouldn't go away. And I began to build a plan and share it with some friends. And and one of the friends that I had uh, worked for an inner city ministry and he hired me. And I worked there for five years and um, loved every minute of it. Um, Never looked back. 
um, seeing, working with, with young kids and, and seeing them come to know the Lord and, and to develop hope in their heart was just what God had wired me to do. Um, in 2001, I began to look for a building where we could have a campus, uh, um, where we could teach kids different trades, where we could work with them on um, lots of different things in their life, tell them about the Lord, as well as to um, give them an opportunity to explore and discover what are my gifts and talents that God has given me. Um, as I was looking, um, came across this, this parcel of land. The asking price uh, was 350000 but they didn't want to give up one of the buildings. I went in and offered them 400000 if they would include the building. The realtor said it'll never happen. The guy will never give up this building. He's got his antique cars in it. It just won't happen. The realtor came back scratching his head and said, I guess they're going to sell it. So then I had to try to explain to them how I didn't have any money. Um, but would you give us an option? So we have a little time to raise this money to buy this facility. And they said, we'll give you four months. And I remember walking out of that place going, Lord, this has to be you because there is no way that I could ever raise $400,000 in four months. And all of a sudden, I saw it happen. And I saw him move churches. I saw people go down and look at that property, and I don't know what they saw in it. I mean, I saw it, but it was a ratty old place. Weeds growing up, buildings falling apart. And they saw it. And people started giving. Well, I remember being down to three weeks left and had $350,000. And... But I had nowhere else to go speak. No other appointments on the calendar. And, and I was starting to sweat. And it was like, God, how are we going to do this? You know, just praying that he would do this. I'll never forget. Uh, that night I got a call from a guy in my church. He said... Uh, are you still raising money for that center? I said, yeah, we're, we're really up against the wall. we got three weeks left. He said, well, I had these stock options that I had totally forgot about, and they, they paid off. And I tell you, I got 50000 from them, and I'd be happy to give it to you. One day, one day, 50000 I walked in there with a check for 400000 and brought, bought this property, and, and they about died. And then God went to work, and we were moving, and things were happening, and uh, we had kids coming in, and then, you know, as the enemy always does, he got in the middle of it, and things began to fall apart in that ministry, and God said, I want you to leave. And I walked away from that dream, and found myself with nothing. Um, didn't uh, walked away from what I thought he had done and ended up um, looking at it and scratching my head. God, was this you? Was this really you that did this? And uh, during that time, the Des Moines Register was writing some articles on homeless kids that were in our city and 
were walking around um, the city and I said, you know, I'm going to go and try to find some of these kids. And so I got some day-old muffins, headed down under the bridges, um, went down under the bridge by Principal Park and found four kids sleeping under that bridge. Sat down, began to talk with them, ate muffins. They looked at me like I was crazy. I didn't know what I was doing. And, uh, but I kept coming back and coming back and coming back and began to build a relationship. They began to tell me of some other spots I could go. So before long, I had a regular route going. But there was this one girl that was under that bridge that would never look at me. She'd never talk to me. I could tell that she was very depressed. She'd pull her little blanket up over her head when I came. And it was very clear to me she wanted nothing to do with me. And um, after probably two weeks of this, this girl asked me for a ride um, to Nolan Plaza. And I gave her a ride. And when she jumped out, I said, I just want you to know that God loves you. And he's got a plan for your life. And that was the first time I saw this girl smile. And I was excited because I knew God had touched something in her heart. And I went back the next day and she wasn't there. And it took me a week to catch up with her. I finally found her at one of the shelters. And um, when I saw her, she was talking to me. And she began to share her life. And, and she began to call me on the phone. And she would tell me about um, how she grew up in Ohio and was a runaway. And her mom and dad were drug dealers. And... She said it was actually my mom that got me started on meth when I was 13 and admitted that she was an addict. And uh, she had moved to Des Moines to live with a cousin, and that didn't last. And she was kicked out, and there she was, homeless. Nowhere to go, no family to go to, a drug addiction, and uh, she was in a very hopeless situation. And began to share my faith with her and and... You know, several times she'd, she'd kind of politely tell me to shut up and, and uh, that's enough, Mark, you know, I get it. And, but she needed time and um, I began to learn the life of a drug addict, you know. She'd be gone for two weeks, never see her, and all of a sudden she'd show up. And one time when she showed up, uh, she came to me and I knew something was different. And she said, I think I'm ready. And I'm like what do you mean you're ready? She said, I'm ready to give my life to Christ. And she said, I never told you this, but the first day you came down under the bridge was the day I was going to kill myself. And I stopped. It, 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 it took me because I felt like, oh Lord, it was one of those aha moments where you were on top of the water walking and and I knew God was doing something this girl Michelle gave her testimony out at Hope probably seven years ago and it was one of the most inspiring things I'd ever seen and um, and it created a groundswell and we, uh, uh, you know, from that, several were encouraging me. 
you know, we need to get something going for this. And, and so um, I, found an, I found a building to lease on 2nd Avenue. And in, in the end of 2003, Freedom for Youth Ministries began. And uh, God has done many things over the years um, that have been truly miraculous to bring this to where it is today. And I'd like to show you a DVD um, that tells you more about the ministry. A hundred miles an hour. Welcome to Freedom for Youth Ministries. We are a Christ-centered outreach for youth in Des Moines Inner City. Our mission is to share the love of Jesus Christ with homeless and at-risk youth, which will empower them to break bondages in their life, to discover their God-given talents, and to lead a life filled with faith, hope, and love. Before we take a look around, I think it's important to share a little bit of the history of Freedom for Youth. This is where it all started. It was 2003, and I found this young girl sleeping right here on a cardboard box underneath this bridge on the outskirts of downtown Des Moines. At first, she wouldn't even talk to me, but eventually she began to warm up, and God captured her heart. What I saw in this young girl was a transformation of her life. And it opened our eyes to see that there's many more hurting youth in our community who need our help. In 2004, our grassroots efforts started with a lease building near Des Moines' downtown area where homeless youth reaching adulthood could drop in for a meal, recreation, and to hear the life-changing gospel of Jesus Christ. As lives began to change, we saw the need for transitional housing to bring committed youth off the streets or out of jail to an environment conducive for life transformation. In 2005, we opened the Promise House, a home with a resident house parent where boys could rebuild their lives. The Promise House uh, program is a Christian discipleship program. We are here to know God and to make Him known. A lot of these guys have committed crimes bad enough they had to be locked up, so they're, they've been living that lifestyle, that lifestyle of criminal activity, the lifestyle of drug addiction, the lifestyle of homelessness, and uh, pretty broken and beat up and messed up lives. We've spent a lot of time in Bible study, a lot of time going to church, learning Christian education to get them to know God on a personal, intimate level. A lot of these guys that I get, basically, um, they don't have anybody, and they don't have nowhere to turn. And we literally, a couple of my guys right now, we've become family. Uh, we will always, no matter how long they're in the program, no, when they graduate or whatever, we're always going to be in contact with them because we're it. We are family, you know, and they're, I call them my boys because... I love them, and they are my boys. I'm going to hang with them and spend time with them and be with them for the rest of their lives. Well, I've, I've been in the Promise House since uh, December 1st. I uh, came there directly out of prison and uh, just been there for the last 10 months and, and about to graduate. My life before I came to the Promise House was uh, really chaotic. I was involved with drugs and alcohol, a lot of immoral decision-making, 
living a, a rebellious life. The Promise House has uh, provided for me an opportunity to uh, grow in my relationship with Christ. I've uh, definitely experienced love in a, a manner that I've never been able to describe it as before. The Lord's just uh, convicted my heart of the fact that uh, I need to change my ways and how I live my overall life. Had I not been convicted of the fact that the gospel of Jesus Christ and the Bible were, were true, I'd, uh, I'd never been uh, involved in the Promise House, I'd, I'd never come in contact with Tony, and I'd, I'd more than likely be on the streets doing drugs right now. Welcome to the Freedom Center campus. After quickly outgrowing our first drop-in center in 2006, God provided us with this six-acre campus that provided much opportunity, but lots of renovations were needed. What you see behind me is what we call Opportunity Avenue. It's a street from the Old West that houses our mechanical, welding, and woodworking shops. Through the support of volunteers and funding from many metro churches and individuals, our vision for an oasis for children living in hopeless situations became a reality. Now let me introduce you to Denise Jewell, our Director of Operations, who will give you a tour of the campus. Thanks, Mark. Welcome to the Freedom Center campus. I'd like to be your guide. First, we'd like to start here in the backyard at our beautiful prayer garden. It's such a quiet, peaceful oasis, really different from the way that our kids live in their inner-city neighborhood. After our renovations were completed in 2007, youth ages from 12 to 17 began to flood the campus, seeking a glimmer of hope in a place that they could call their own. In our art studio, orphaned refugee children were drawn by the love they received in a new culture so foreign and frightening to them. Through many after-school activities, such as cooking, music, welding, and woodworking, the children were embraced by the many volunteers who came with a calling to share their talents and love them unconditionally. With the skills the teens are learning in these areas, We've created a country market in the summer where we employ some of our youth to sell the items they've created. It's a great opportunity for the teens to learn how to apply and interview for a job and to develop customer service skills working with the public. Our programs also include a worship time, a weekly chapel time where our youth can experience the joy of worshiping God. It's a favorite part of our week and we know it puts a smile on God's face. Freedom for Youth is about providing opportunities for volunteers to come and share their life with a child. Without our volunteers, we would be ineffective at reaching many children. However, to create a meaningful experience for our volunteers to carry out their individual callings requires a dedicated youth staff to provide training, leadership, and coordination. We believe our staff members are the most dedicated and passionate people you will find. God has truly blessed them with a deep love for the children. It seems as though the more we reach out, the more we realize the need. The teens that are in our programming have many siblings at home who also need help. Our neighborhood has elementary-aged children living in poverty, many of them orphaned, living with non-English-speaking adults. They are headed down a road that leads to dropping out of school, teenage pregnancy, drugs, and prostitution, perpetuating the cycle to the next generation. But God's rescue plan through Freedom for Youth continued to unfold. 
In 2008, we launched a program for children ages 6 to 11 called Wiz Kids Tutoring. Needy children are matched with Christian adults to read, work on homework, and fellowship together through a meal and devotion. The children love the attention they receive from their very own tutor, and a bond begins to form as the relationship grows. Oh yeah, let's not forget the all-important game room. All kids enjoy some playtime after school as well as a healthy snack. I hope you enjoyed the tour of our campus. Now back to Mark. Wow, what a journey God has had us on over the last five years here at Freedom for Youth. And we give Him all the credit. But the story's not over yet. In 2009, God has placed a burden on our heart to reach out to the youth in rural Iowa. Many of these youth lack the resources that our children here in Des Moines have. And God has brought to us a special man who will lead that charge into rural Iowa. Let me introduce to you Neil Bunn. Three or four years ago, God really put a passion on my heart for, for small town Iowa and outreach into rural communities. We see a lot of kids who are lost and uh, they turn to things like uh, cutting on themselves. Uh, there's a high rate of suicide and the drug problem has really gotten um, out of control, almost an epidemic type proportion. And um, to me, it's just an opportunity to go out and reach these kids. And for some of them, it truly is a crisis. And the sooner we reach them, the better. Um, time is running out and, and for some of these kids. And it, it, now is the time to go get them. I think the kids are searching. They're searching for love and they're searching for meaning. They just want to know that uh, someone cares about them. And they're not finding that all the time. And I think a lot of the churches in, in town um, are, are good churches, but, but they're not capturing the, the younger people. Our vision really is to open youth drop-in centers around uh, the state and small communities to give the kids somewhere to go to learn about Jesus and give them a sense of hope and give them a sense of love and a sense of purpose so that as they get older, we're sowing seeds that they can take with them on their life's journey. In addition to our rural outreach initiative in 2009, we are excited to begin construction on our girls' transitional home we call Safe Haven which will happen right here on our vacant lot which sits adjacent to our Freedom Center campus. The two-story home will be able to house up to six young ladies without children who are between the ages of 18 and 22. The program that we will operate here at Safe Haven will be much like that of our Promise House, focusing on Christian discipleship, work disciplines, and making sure the girls have a good education. As you can see, the journey of Freedom for Youth Ministries with all of the obstacles along the way could only have been accomplished through God's hand. His love for these children is so apparent every day as He calls the church to come across denominational lines to reach out to a child in love. God's work here at Freedom for Youth Ministries is just beginning. Jesus said the harvest is plentiful and the laborers are few. We need your help to reach the thousands of hurting kids across Iowa who need to know that they matter and that God loves them. Your financial investment or volunteer commitment into the lives of these children is a message that they matter to you and that they matter to God. Won't you partner with us in making an eternal difference 
in the life of these children. Yeah, give God praise for that. I want you to see that if God can do that, He can do whatever it is in your life right now that's on your heart. Because I know that God's speaking to some of you right now. And He's asking you, will you jump for me? And I just want you to know that we serve a God that can be trusted. A God that is faithful and a God that loves you. Let us pray.